Episode 54 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. Grant Paulson, Toby Altizer. You will hear an interview Danny and I did on G&D with Lane Thomas. On this episode, we've also got to get into the Nats series win over the Kansas City Royals, a chance for a sweep that went awry, and a gem from Mackenzie Gore, plus a big promotion in the minor leagues. Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 54. A lot to cover, and it all starts right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 54. I'm Grant, and I'm joined by Toby. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Good to see the boys battling it out this weekend, and... The bats came to life on Friday night, made for quite an interesting one, but it was a fun series to enjoy watching. Wish you would have finished off the sw- the sweep, but it was a fun series. Yeah, they get back-to-back games, the 12-10 to win on Game 1 on Friday, and then a 4-2 win in Game 2 on Saturday, but they can't finish off the sweep. We could pick up with the conversation on Sunday. They had opportunities to extend the lead. I know everyone will make this a Chad Cool story, and we can get into Cool in a moment. But he had the bases loaded right before he came into the game. Couldn't scratch across the number one. Some squandered opportunities with runners in scoring position. And, you know, look, Luis Garcia, who was hitting the ball hard, goes 0 for 5. Top of your order in that game. Lane Thomas, Lugo, and Joey Manessis were a combined 1 for 13. You score just two runs. Typically, you're going to lose the game. So I think there's some blame to go around. But it still feels worse. When your ace pitcher, your youngster who's been desperate for a quality dominant outing delivers a masterpiece and then the bullpen comes in and blows it when you've got a one run lead going into the eighth inning. Yeah, you'd like to see the offense do a little bit more of what it did on Saturday and Friday. I mean, obviously, Friday they exploded Saturday. They came out in the sixth inning, put on some runs. And for whatever reason, yesterday, they just couldn't put across any more runs. Mackenzie Gore was impressive yesterday. They really needed some length out of their starting pitcher with how the bullpen had been depleted. And then Josiah Gray had struggled a little bit on Saturday, so they had to use the bullpen earlier than they would have liked on Saturday. And so yesterday, Mackenzie Gore comes out. He really had a lot riding on his start, and he goes seven strong, has a career high in strikeouts, and he looked dominant outside of giving up the solo homer. Looked really, really good. His fastball was just blowing away hitters. And then on top of that, his breaking stuff was sharp. That's the kind of start that you needed to see out of Mackenzie Gore coming off of some struggling outings. A guy that truly has ace potential. He showed it. It's disappointing that it didn't end up coming in a win. He didn't get anything for it. No decision. But ultimately, I think that's the thing you can build off here. But they do get the series win. You would have liked to have seen the sweep. The bullpen... You know, this is something we'll get into a little bit later, but we're acting like sometimes Davey is not turning to prime Mariano Rivera in the bullpen and acting like Davey's making all the wrong decisions and Davey's done all this. And it's he's doing the best that he can. Obviously, you'd like to see Chad Cool come into that situation and maybe come through, but he's kind of dealing with the cards that he's been dealt and... I don't know. I mean, Chad Cool had just gotten you out of a jam on on Friday night and done well for you. So give him another shot. Maybe you don't want to see him come out in the ninth there and give up the lead and 
lose on a walk-off, but that's kind of just where you're at right now with the Nationals. Would have liked to see the first sweep since, what, June of 2021, but I think overall a good series for the boys. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things before we get specifically into the bullpen on Mackenzie Gore. The one thing I have no patience for, and I'm not saying everybody's doing this, but I think some people tend to nationally, is to belittle a start like this when it's against a team like the Kansas City Royals. Like, oh, yeah, you had seven innings and 11 strikeouts and three hits, but it was just the Royals, dot, dot. Well, here's the thing. Number one, the Nationals are just the Royals, right? Theoretically, you know, they're in the same bucket. I know they are better, and we saw that in this series, and the records prove that. But that's what they were supposed to have been. That's number one. Number two, on Mackenzie Gore kind of specifically, um, that, that's one of the three or five best, maybe even top two or three starts against the Royals this season in like 50 games. Like just because you play a bad team doesn't mean you get to go strike out 11 over seven innings, right? How often do we see teams like Kansas City either win games or crush the ball or score a bunch of runs? I mean, these are big leaguers. And if you're missing with location, if you're missing in the fat part of the plate, you're going to get hit really, really hard. Uh, he was phenomenal. Like this was the kind of outing where if you're taking on fill in the blank team, the Rays or the Dodgers in, in this series starting now that he won't pitch in or anybody else, like you would shove in that game. 23 swings and misses, a career high for him. 23 swings and misses in this game to go along with 11 strikeouts for Mackenzie Gore. Pretty impressive. And the seven innings and just the three hits, as you said, like we've been really looking forward to one of these. We've wanted one of these starts for a while. Uh, he needed it and he got it. And I thought it was just another sign indicative of him being an ace caliber pitcher and having a chance to be, you know, the front of the rotation horse that we want him to be. Well, and real quick, adding on to that, I think we saw him take a step forward in this start because what he did was the Royals couldn't hit his fastball. They just couldn't. And he just kept throwing it. He said, if you can't hit the fastball, I'm going to keep throwing it. I'm going to prove that I'm better than you. My stuff is just too good for you to handle right now. Kept throwing the fastball. And then sometimes you get to do strikes, break off curveball, break off a slider. But for the most part, he just realized my stuff is better than what these hitters can handle. And I'm going to stick to it. And to be honest with you, you can bring up that he faced the Royals. He can do that with a lot of guys. And I think Maybe that gives him the confidence to try that and it starts going forward. Like, look, if they can't hit the fastball, I'm just going to keep throwing the fastball by him. Yeah, and he was able to. And it's just, look, this is what he is at his best. There are other pitchers in this rotation that we like. Josiah Gray looks like a mid-rotation starter. You know, There are prospects we like. I'm not sure any of them have a ceiling to consistently do what Mackenzie Gore did in this start. So worth pointing out. Now let's get to the bullpen. Most recently, Chad Cool blows a game. You go back a series ago at home, and it was Hunter Harvey who blew what could have been and maybe should have been a win in a game at Nationals Park uh, in the ninth inning against the Padres down to the final out. We talked about that on a recent podcast. To your point on Davey, do I think Davey's one of the better in-game managers in the game? No, absolutely not. Do I routinely think that his bullpen management is lackluster? Yes, I, I probably do. However, you are as good as the relieving options that you have, Tobe. And like yeah. people, to your point about, I like what you said about like Mariano Rivera, but people act like he's just got seven A options and he picks the wrong guys all the time. They have right now at this moment, okay? I, I would put Hunter Harvey, who's blown a couple games, by the way, 
uh, and Kyle Finnegan, who has blown a couple games, by the way, as their elite A-level relievers. Do you agree with that so far? Yeah. Yep. Okay. You can't pitch those guys every day. Like they need, you need to be off of them at times. You need to rest at times uh, if, if you're those two pitchers. And if you were in a winning situation where you're vying for a division title or whatever, you'd obviously be desperate for bullpen help right now. And that's what Mike Rizzo would add at the deadline. But you could even push Hunter Harvey a little bit, maybe risk, you know, using him um, on, on three straight games every now and then or three out of four or whatever. But it's not worth it right now. Like the, the, the end game right now is not to make the playoffs. So even my, my point is just whatever your normal standard for like uh, the, the, the redlining your relievers with the gas pedal in a season where like, let's say you're in um, the Orioles or the Rays or the Dodgers or the, one of these competitive teams, like you're going to not redline at the same RPMs right now. It's, it's, it's even lesser in terms of usage and when you're going to start worrying about overworking a guy because you're trying to make sure that Hunter Harvey's arm is at its best when you are winning in a year or two. Right. And so I would say the same about Finnegan. So I only say that to set up that you're not going to use those guys as much as even you would, if you were competitive, let alone every single day. All right. So those a guys you're staying off of occasionally. Now there's like a B version of the bullpen as well. And they're looking for a third guy, and they haven't really had it. But Carl Edwards Jr., who's been scoreless in six of his last seven outings, did give up a couple runs in a game out in Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium. I would say is like their third best, third most reliable, like post-seventh inning reliever. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yep. Edwards, they had to stay off of because he had thrown in back-to-back games on the 26th and the 27th. So now you go to who's next on your depth chart. I'm thinking Mason Thompson maybe, but who else? It's got to be Mason Thompson, yeah. All right, so Thompson would be like reliever number uh, four then. Mason Thompson had thrown in well, – that, that would have been three out of four days, which you are trying to avoid with these young arms as best as you can. He'd thrown two of the previous three games, and while he's thrown better here of late and he's not giving up runs – it still hasn't been pretty. It's at least one, if not a couple base runners more often than not when he pitches. But even still, he's 25. He got overworked early in the year. We saw what that did. Do you really want to go three out of four days to Mason Thompson to finish that game? All right, so now you've worked your way through your top four relievers. After that, what else do you have? Erasmo Ramirez, who was their org pitcher of the year, sadly, last year, has been getting rocked. Thaddeus Ward, you can't really trust to throw strikes. You know, Chad Cool, when we saw him, the other game that he pitched in out of the bullpen at Nats Park, actually threw the ball okay. I guess my point is, like, you have to use who's on your roster. And and the one big issue they have right now is that Thaddeus Ward, as a Rule 5 pick, has to be in the big leagues because they clearly don't trust him. Like, he has thrown one time since May 19th. It was on May 25th. He had an inning with a walk. So for some reason, though, they have like avoided him like the plague in high leverage situations. So I guess the one thing you could say, Toby, is they should have or could have gone to Thaddeus Ward over Chad Cool. But Cool's a veteran out of the bullpen. He's 95, 96. Like, I- I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying I trust him. When he came in with a one run lead, I fully expected that he was going to blow the game. But it- I don't necessarily view it like I normally would where I'm beating up the manager because my point is they don't have a good bullpen. Yeah. And on top of that, they have three or four options, none of whom were available. So it's a bad bullpen you're starting from. 
in terms of depth, I should say. They got a couple good arms. But a, a, like a, a, a paper-thin bullpen that has really no ability to get anything out of the top few guys. Like, what is he supposed to do in that situation? And if your, your point is anybody but cool, go to Erasmo, who's been terrible. Go to Thaddeus Ward. I guess that is an argument. But, like... I don't know, man. I, I just think it's it's the movie Argo, if anybody saw it. And they named this plan Argo. It was the best of a bunch of bad ideas. Like, that's what you're doing at the end of the bullpen on days where it's not the Harvey Finnegan Edwards trio. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're not going to Harvey every single day, which they did for a little while, that's not going to work. You can't just pitch those guys every single night. You can't pitch them four and five times every single week. Same thing with Finnegan. Same thing with Edwards. And then once you get past that, Mason Thompson's really struggled since he got overused early in the season. So what are they going to do? Continue to overuse him? You don't want to put him in a bad spot again. I mean, the only thing you could say right now with Davey is maybe you'd like to see other guys just get a chance. You mentioned Thaddeus Ward. Look, he hasn't got a whole lot of opportunities. If you look at his numbers, you don't think that he's going to be great in high leverage situations. But if Finnegan and Harvey are down, and you're not able to use a guy like Carl Edwards as well or Thompson, and you got other options, maybe try Thaddeus Ward and something like that. And look, chances are he's probably going to give up some runs. They're going to crucify Davey the next day. That's just the nature of the job, and I think Davey understands that. But people need to understand what this season is at this point. This season isn't a World Series season. This isn't a season where they're contending even to get in the wild card. I know they can look up right now, and they're only a couple games back of a wild card spot. But let's be honest with this baseball team. They're playing good baseball. They've been fun to watch. But it's about development. You know, it's about development with Gore, Gray. And I think it's the same thing with some of these bullpen arms is getting these guys in situations, seeing how they do, seeing if they're a part of the future of this baseball team, seeing if maybe they're a trade chip at the deadline, and just seeing what you can do. You'd like to see them come through every single time. But let's be honest here. You're not trotting out. Tyler Clippard and Drew Storen of the past where you had high expectations when they came in the game or a Sean Doolittle. Those aren't the guys that you're trotting out there. You're trotting out Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, guys that have, you know, Harvey flamed out with a team before and had injury concerns. Finnegan, he, he's probably not a big league closer on any other ball club right now. So that's just the, the reality of where this team is at. So if we lower the expectations a little bit on this bullpen, you'd like to win every game you're in. I get that. But let's be a little bit more honest of where we're at. Continue to evaluate these guys and give them a chance and don't just crucify them every time they struggle or give up a run or give up a lead. Yeah, and look, I am a guy who has no problem with fans like managing along with the manager and questioning a skipper. I think that's part of baseball. I think it's what makes the game so fun, to be honest with you. Like, I, I got a lot of heat, I remember, because I used to think a lot of the things that Dusty Baker did made no sense. Uh, I just, I, I thought he was the best manager on the planet for 21 hours a day. And then the game started and, and he would, you know, over the three hours of the game, do a lot of things that just frustrated me. Most notably his lineup construction was always uh, horrendous because he would bat his best hitter at the time, sixth. And it's just egregious. And so there were a lot of things that annoyed me, I guess to your point though, what I would say is remember what this year is like. Sometimes I think we're forgetting a, the quality of some of the players we're talking about. Like, you can't be as mad about bullpen usage now in 2023 when you're deciding, do I go with Thaddeus Ward or Erasmo Ramirez or Chad Cool as you were when it was like 
Doolittle versus Madsen versus, uh, you know, Rainey or whatever. Like, this is not a 94-win team. This is not about the playoffs. Uh, this, this is about, like, Harvey's arm being healthy and good in, in a couple of weeks was more important yesterday than protecting that one-run lead. And I know that's hard to hear, right? But that's a reality. Uh, and I would say the same about Finnegan. And, and, you know, I wouldn't say the same about all those guys, sadly, but they're not a part of the long-term future. But remember, the other part of this conversation is that Chad Cool had thrown pretty well. Now, we all knew this was coming. It's not like he's going to be some lights-out reliever that you just found. Like, the stuff isn't going to play that way. But for two appearances, the San Diego game at home, and then the first game he pitched in in this Royals series, he had pitched two and one in a two-third innings, and he, and he had looked like a quality reliever, punching a couple guys out. And, and I think Davey was trying to see, okay, let's see if we can keep this going. Maybe we found uh, a, a multi-inning Craig Stammen type. You know, maybe we found a guy that can bridge a couple frames and and give us a little length, which we need right now in the bullpen. Maybe that was his logic. And so after the two innings of one hit ball where he struck out two against the Padres and the one and two third innings with two punchies against the Royals, a couple days later, they come back to the well and and he gives up, you know, the, the lead and eventually the game. It should be noted, by the way, that the run that scored was unearned. Because if not for a misplay by Dom Smith, then, you know, that they don't score that run. Uh, he gave up the, the home run to tie it, but the game-winning run in the ninth scored because of an error. And I know you've been speaking of, of your frustrations with kind of how angry and vitriolic people have been about this team at 23 and 30. You've been a little bit, uh, I don't know if the right word, Tobe, is like flummoxed or annoyed or peeved with how people have kind of like just made Dominic Smith a, a whipping boy of sorts and everything he does, they hate when he's actually been outstanding defensively. And he's kind of been what I expected him to be offensively. Like, I don't know what people thought he was going to be, but he's never really hit for power. I mean, he hit 194 in the big leagues last year. He's hitting a hundred points better than that. He's hitting 30 points over his career average. His career uh, OPS is, is higher than he is right now, 727. So maybe he's missing a little bit of slug. But for the most part, he's been the same guy they, they went and got, and people are are livid. Like, why are you mad at him? Be, be mad at where they're at as a bigger process if you, if you if you don't like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Dominic Smith, and I see people all the time like, oh, man, I don't want to see this guy again. I don't want to see him on my baseball team. You're discounting what he has done for this baseball team. He's been fantastic on the infield. I know there have been two plays you can point at in the last week that have been disappointing. Obviously, the ninth inning yesterday, you have the cutoff on a run that probably gets thrown out of the plate by Lane Thomas, and people are just going all over him on Twitter. And I get it. I get the frustration with those sort of plays. But how many errors would C.J. Abrams have right now if literally any other first baseman were over there? If Josh Bell were still with this team, C.J. Abrams would probably have double the amount of errors over at shortstop. He saved a lot of runs defensively. And then offensively, I know people are getting on him because they expect the first baseman to be like the guy you see in New York and Pete Alonzo and hit 40, 50 bombs every year. That's not who Dom Smith is, like you said. You'd like to see him hit for power, but that's not who he is. And so far this season, and I wonder if this isn't almost a product of where modern baseball is, if he would have been the perfect player a decade ago, He's third in terms of batting average of qualified hitters on the Nationals right now with 283. And I think the good part about how he plays the game, you could almost see it with Luis Garcia's approach in his six-hit game. 
They're going to pitch me away. They're shifting on me a little bit. I'll just send it into left field. Dominic Smith has had that approach all season long, and I think that's a good thing to have with some of these younger hitters is, look, I'm going to go up there and find a way to get on base, whether it's drawing a walk, even if it's just a single. You'd like to see more damage done out of the first base position. I do get that. But at the same point, this guy's coming up to the plate. He's batting 283. It's not like he's striking out all the time. He's at least moving on to the next guy in the lineup, giving your team a chance. And then on top of that, what he's done defensively has been phenomenal for this baseball team. So I get the frustration that he's not the first baseman that you envision hitting 30, 40 bombs. But at the same point, what he has given you this season has been more than enough. And I've been pretty happy with what he's given this baseball team. I think the frustration that he's garnered from Nat's Twitter is just kind of unwarranted at this point. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, in his 2021 season, he hit, I think that was the year where he had several home runs. I think he hit like 11 home runs or whatever. He didn't hit a home run after July 23rd. So really, if you go back to 2021, okay, he didn't homer for the final couple months of the season. Then last year, he was not hitting home runs. I mean, it's just not part of his game. He hit for very little power in his last year and a half with the Mets. In fact, I'd make the case he's never hit for power. But last year, he didn't hit a single home run, 58 games. This year, he's got one in 50 games. I didn't do the math on how many games back to July 23rd, but roughly, let's say, another 40 games. So, like, he's got two homers in his last, like, 145 games or whatever. For people that are mad that he's not providing power, that was not the plan here. And if it was, they got the wrong guy. The plan to me was let's make sure that our infield defense improves massively this year because we've got this neophyte shortstop and this second baseman who's been a disaster defensively. And guess what's happened? To your point, he saved C.J. Abrams a million errors and Luis Garcia has improved tremendously at second. And because Jamer Candelario, who people were ready to run out of town a few weeks ago before he went on, you know, a 20 for 30 terror, whatever the hell it was, uh, he's been so good at third. Your pitching has benefited. Your staff is overachieving. Your young arms that everybody uh, cares about are immense beneficiaries from that. So there is absolutely value here. My, my point is not to do some like pom-poms defense of every national. That, that's not my point. If I'm building a championship team, Dom Smith's not my starting first baseman. Like he is a very limited offensive player. That, that goes without saying. Frankly, the fact that he's hitting 280 is kind of uh, fool's gold. It, it has not been a good offensive year, uh, but he gets on base. He draws some walks. He gets on base at a 370 clip. Like there is value in that. So the 691 OPS, uh, which is probably not far. I'd have to look it up, but right around league average, uh, you know, would you, would you like that to be closer to where his career number is of 725? Sure. But you're right. It, it has been ridiculous how people, I think people just decided at some point, that they didn't like this move or they can't deal with a first baseman who doesn't hit home runs. And I get the annoyance. My point is just don't be mad at the left tackle who can't play. Be mad at the team that chose the left tackle. Yeah. Like if you're angry about Dom Smith, hate the game, not the player, I, I guess is my larger point. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, and um, this just goes back to our conversation we had with the bullpen. Remember what this baseball team is. This is a credit to the Nationals, honestly, at this point, for how they've played that we're having these discussions. Because if this team were having a record with half the amount of wins that they have right now, no one would care. 
and everyone would just be frustrated with everyone. Credit to the Nationals for being in every ball game. We talked about the bullpen usage. They're in every game, so it's not like they can use their A relievers every game because they're close in these things. And Dom Smith, you get frustrated at him because you're in one and two run ball games, and you'd like to see him hit home runs. But just remember who this guy is. This baseball team's not going to be in the playoffs, and he's not batting third and fourth. He's batting in the bottom third of the order. So to expect a guy that's batting six or seven almost every night to be hitting 30 and 40 bombs, I get where you want it, but that's not who he is. They brought him over for his defense. He's fulfilled that. I think some of his hits have you know, been 52 hits on the year, only five extra base hits. You'd like to see more power, like to see more of him driving the baseball. I get all that, but he's kind of given them exactly what they want, and I think the underrated part of this is the fact that he's a professional hitter and I watched some batting practice during the San Diego, San Diego series, and he was just hitting balls the other way the entire time. And I think you can start seeing some of that with some of the younger hitters that he comes up with a professional approach. If he can kind of pass that off to some of the younger guys, maybe we'll never be able to quantify that and actually measure it. But I think he's helping out some of the younger guys to have a better approach at the plate as well. So I think overall the hate that he's gotten is just a little bit over the top and unwarranted. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, on the bullpen, just to put a bow on that, in looking it up, like w- what they need is is options that are doing their job beyond just two or three guys. Here's the problem is they just don't have a lot of wiggle room right now in terms of um, if, if they want to keep Chad Cool at the major league level and they think there's value in that as maybe a multi-inning guy or, or what have you, you're looking at like Andres Machado. You could You could move on from. I don't think you have anybody to call up that's better than him. Erasmo Ramirez, who was your org pitcher of the year last year. Now, frankly, I'm good there. I've seen plenty of what I need to see uh, from Erasmo. who's given up six runs in his last inning of baseball and seven hits. Having said that, um, you know, I know he's 33 and, and had a great year last year. He's been valuable to them. Maybe they give him a little bit of a longer leash. But as I said, like Ward is a rule five guy, so he's not going anywhere. So there's just not many guys you're, you're going to, uh, send down, so to speak, unless you throw like a Raspo, let's say, on the injured list and try to get him right, and you can call someone up. But in looking at it, if you look at their AAA bullpen right now, almost every pitcher they have that they could call up walks too many batters. You know, Alberto Baldonado has been pretty good. He's got an ERA in the twos in 24 games, striking out a batter per inning, 226 average against. Uh, we've seen him in the majors. I would say call him up. He could help you. He's walking 12 per, you know, uh, in 25 innings. Like, Basically a four and a half per nine walk rate, which is high. Jose Ferrer pitched in the Futures game last year. Best prospect of any of the arms in AAA uh, in their bullpen. 26 innings, 19 strikeouts, 16 walks, 288 average against. He's not throwing that well. Gerson Moreno is a guy, I think, 19 games in, has maybe the best numbers in terms of 21 innings, just 11 hits, a 155 average against. 25 strikeouts and 21 innings is pretty dominant, but he's walked 15. Now, if you're walking that many guys in AAA when big leaguers are spitting on pitches and the strike zone's a little bit tighter and you got the nerves and anxiety of being in the majors and facing guys who you watch on TV every night, are, are you going to walk more? I mean, so it's not like there's like a strike thrower who's dominating. Jordan Weems, they could call up, has given up just 12 hits in 21 innings, has 23 strikeouts, 169 average against, uh, 11 walks. Maybe he's the answer. And we've seen him in the big leagues three or four times at different points. He's never really kind of dominated or become a guy for them. 
but maybe he's worthy of a shot. Uh, their former fourth-round pick, Matt Cronin, in AAA this year, in 14 innings, has walked 14 batters. Uh, that, that doesn't work. You know, Luis Reyes, in 19 innings, has 19 walks, a 270 average against. Uh, Jose Mejica, I'm really interested in, because he's only got three walks, and he's striking out a batter per inning in 15 innings. But he's given up 10 runs. You know, his ERA is 5.87, and his average against is 292. Um, so it's not like they've got guys sitting down there who are just ready to roll. Like just to give you a comp, Machado, who's in the big leagues and is, you know, hit or miss at the major league level, but does some decent things. When he was in the minors, 16 strikeouts and 12 innings with just three walks, like better numbers than almost anyone I just talked about. Hey, Truman, how are you? Do you want to say hi to everybody? Daddy's on the radio. Do you want to say hi to Toby? All right. Say hi. Say go Nats. Hi. Say go Nats. All right, go Nats. Daddy's going to keep doing his show now, okay? Uh, yeah, you could say hi, too. My daughter wants to say go Nats. Go Nats. You want to say hi to Screech? Yeah. <laughs> hi, Screech. We love Screech. Screech listens to the podcast. Uh, Toby, those are uh, my kids. They wanted to say hi to Screech. I get it. I get it. I want to uh, say hi to Screech. But anyway, back to the bullpen. You get what I'm talking about. I mean, there aren't, like, options they can call up. Yeah, I mean, right now... This bullpen, I get the frustration because you don't want to lose ball games, but I, I think this goes back to how good this Nationals team has been compared to expectations. Honestly, going into the year, my thought process was going to be: if you're in a ball game, I need Davey to manage it like this team is a 95 win baseball team. I need him to throw the A arms. I need him to lock it in. But that's not been the case this year because the Nationals have been in just about every ball game every single night. So they have to use the A arms in situations where they're ahead or they're down by just a single run. That's a good point as well. Like they're also in way more close games than is ideal, too. I yeah. mean, the only, the only other thing that could I would say if you want to put something on Davey, I mean, yes, his, his bullpen usage generally is, is frustrating. But I, I think it, there's a lot of reasons for it as we're talking about. Maybe you got to let starters go a little deeper. You know, a, you need the starters to be better. But when Josiah Gray's at 88 pitches through five innings or whatever, you need to let him go throw the sixth, even if he's worked hard that night. Well, you know, and he, to Trevor your point, Williams is an example. He's thrown six innings at 94 pitches. Sorry about it, Trevor. Like, we're going to run you into the ground here. Yeah. We'll give you 108 pitches tonight, but you got to go throw a seventh. Just, just to save an inning here and there, because there's not enough good arms to give you those innings. Yeah, to your point, I mean, there was frustration. I believe it was Friday night, the game that... Corbin started that he came out after only throwing like 89 or 90 pitches and pitched the seventh inning. Why? I know it's a nine, three lead. Patrick Corbin should be going out there. If he hasn't thrown 105 pitches yet, Patrick Corbin should, especially as a veteran should be going out there and trying to give you seven every time. And now that we've seen it from McKenzie, maybe you don't have that same expectation of seven every time, but can you at least give me six? Same thing with Josiah Gray. That's why it's important for the starting pitchers to give you length. And over the last week or so, they've kind of struggled a little bit with that. And now you're kind of seeing uh, Gore take a step forward and pitch a little deeper into the game. And that's I think, important. You know, to your point, there's probably someone listening going, well, look, you don't want Patrick Corbin facing the lineup a third time. And the numbers say this. And You're managing this game still like you're trying to win 95 games. You see what I'm exactly. saying? 100%. Like, it's a different thing now. Like, yes strategically get Patrick Corbin out as soon as possible. If you're the Tampa Bay Rays, they're not like, this is now a different game that we're playing. And I, I'm just not sure if everyone's calibrated that correctly. 
Yeah, I think you're dead on right there. I mean, if if Davey were trying to win the World Series again, you're probably right. 89 pitches through six innings. You're still in the ball game. Only gave up three runs from Corbin. Yeah, go ahead and pull him. That's not where you're at. You need to save your bullpen because let's be honest, we just went through it, and you're trying to win ball games. That's still the goal, no matter what. Whether it's a 50 win ball club or a 100 win ball club, I get all that. But you only have three, maybe four reliable options. And as much as people dislike Patrick Corbin, who would you rather see for the seventh inning there? Patrick Corbin going from 90 to 105 pitches or Andres Machado or Thaddeus Ward? I'll take my chances with Corbin. Dang, zoom. I mentioned that Lane Thomas was on our DC show, Grant and Danny on our affiliate 106.7 The Fan. We caught up with one of the hottest hitters in the National League who has seven home runs in the month of May, has been a top 10 player in the NL this month. Uh, here's what he had to say about his hot stretch. Lane Thomas is on a friggin' tear, How and he doing? joins us What's now up, man? on What's Grant and Danny on Good site. To see you. Welcome to the show. I was just telling a crazy story about yeah, it here. I kind of want, want like a summed up version. What happened there? The, 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 the cliff notes are, I'm celebrating Alex Call's double last night. Guy points over and says something bad is happening in the crowd. Fan is literally doubled over choking for like 20 seconds. Oh, my God. Dude just jumps a couple rows, gives him the Heimlich, saves his life. Wow. Turns out the guy was in D.C. because he saved a bunch of people in a train crash. Uh, He's like, like in D.C. to get honored year. for being a hero. Oh and then like he just Real life superhero yeah. Saves another person. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that a show? That's incredible. Yeah, it is really, really crazy. But we appreciate you coming up from the clubhouse. Absolutely. 90 minutes before game time, before you got to get back in the lineup. Uh, what a run it's been for you, man. One of the best players in the league here in the month of May. you got to be feeling great. Average up to almost 300. Fourth in the NL with uh, six home runs this month. What's gone right for you? Um, yeah, I think I think just trying to be more consistent at the plate with, you know, um, understanding who I'm facing and, and just getting comfortable, you know, taking – that a swing and those plus counts you know I feel like a, a lot of the time you know you're worried about striking out or not getting the job done and all that stuff leads up and then you you know you look up and you just took a good pitch to hit or you know so I think it's just um going pitch by pitch and just understanding what situations I'm in and just letting it rip and counts that you know are well deserved to do that you had a, a streak last year where I think you hit like eight home runs and like four at bats you know, like, like yeah. maybe around Cincinnati or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory serves. Absolutely. Where you were just scalding. When you're in one of these, is it like, please don't talk to me. Like, everyone leave me alone just because you're so like kind of locked in. Like, can you feel it when you're this locked in? No, I mean, I don't want to say yeah, but, like, I, I feel like I, me as a player through my career, I feel like I've been, you know, a streaky guy. Like, yeah. like what you're saying. Like, you know, one series, I'm red hot, and then, you know, I get no hits the next series. So, I was in the off season. I thought about that. I'm like, well, you know. How do I get out of that? Because I don't want to do that. I want to like at least at least move on to the next series and feel comfortable and, and not be so streaky. So, you know, that's all I can do is is you know get a routine and um, just stick to what I was talking about. Just being more consistent in the approach aspect of it and doing some some homework on guys and just being consistent with all those things. Reached in a career high twenty straight games and hits in eighteen of his last twenty. Lane Thomas over that twenty game stretch hitting three forty. For the Nationals now back at the top of the order. How on earth were you acquired in a trade for John Lester at 200 years old? I don't quite understand <laughs> how that happens. Like, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't let us in on that. So <laughs> I just get told where to go and, yeah. and what to do. So you know, I wish I could speak on that, but you know, but I have no at idea. the end of your time in St. Louis, like you're in the big leagues, you're very young, you're playing 
in the outfield and contributing, and then they traded you for a pitcher that the Nationals were happy to no longer have pitching in innings. Like, I just wonder how these trades come together sometimes. How surprised were you when you got moved, and what do you um, remember about that? I, you know, in the, in the Cardinals' defense, I feel like they do a, a really good job of developing young players, whether they are first-round picks or, you know, I'm really good friends with Tommy Edmond. He was, like, I think a 10th-round or 12th-round pick, whatever it was. Um, so we had a bunch of guys. It was, like, me and uh, O'Neal and Bader and Randy Rosarena and Adalis Garcia and Patrick Wisdom. And you see all these guys. That By the way, all those guys are studs right yeah, now. We were all – yeah, we were. I was in AAA with all those guys. Yeah. And, you know, they had Zach Gallon and Sandy Alcantara. and I mean, think about that. that yeah, at one point, insane. we were all in AA, AAA together. So um, I think it was just a tough situation where they just pick and ch- pick, you know, pick different different guys to move move on from and give the other guys opportunities. So, um, you know, luckily I was able to come here and, and get get some opportunity myself. We're live in left field at Nats Park, and Lane Thomas is with us here on GND. Have you noticed people are attacking you differently as you kind of go through? And and uh, I don't mean like. Verbally, like people like us. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like pictures. You know what I mean? Like, have you noticed people are trying to respect you a little bit more because uh, the the pop is real, and maybe they don't want to make more mistakes? Does that kind of work to your advantage a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think I've noticed, you know, in some plus counts and stuff that I would normally, you know, look for fastballs and stuff that I've had to adjust and maybe give the the off speed stuff a little more thought too. But you know, I think that's part of it too. Is if you get too guessy and stuff, and you get away from you know what you're good at or what your approach has been when you're good. Um, you know, you, you, that's that's I feel like when some of those struggles start to happen. So um, I just try to trust that I'm going to lay off the stuff. I should lay off and put a good swing when they make a mistake because I think it's just as hard to throw it where you want as it is to, you know, hit the hit the one you're supposed to. Top 10 on the season in runs in the NL with 31, hits with 54, and 12th in batting average, 293. Lane Thomas on GND. Coming into the season, on the outside looking in, we thought it's going to be a really long year part of a process we're all signing up for this we're okay with the build but you guys have exceeded expectations if you take the first week where you guys got kicked around a little bit out of the equation it's 500 ball with about an even run differential are you surprised at all and how with a little bit less talent sometimes maybe than the guys you're going up against have you guys been able to do that um i I think we all get along well there's good camaraderie in the clubhouse um, you know, I think those first two series were tough. I felt like besides one of those games, we were in most of them. And that's, you know, you could debate the two best teams in baseball or in that top five yep. teams right now. So um, I think that would have been tough even if we had a lot more talent, like you're saying. But, um, yeah, I think we're all clicking right now. I think when, when everybody puts a strong at-bat together, I think we're a hard lineup to get through. I think you have a lot of guys that don't swing and miss and don't strike out a whole lot, and I think that's why – you know, down the stretch, I think we're going to, you know, hopefully keep winning games. Do you want to run more? Run as in, like, steal? steal? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Is it – You have you found it easier, just said, or are you, you know, picking spots? Like, are you a green light guy whenever you feel like it, or how, how is it working? Yeah, I think that's something in my game as my career's gone on that I'm always like, man, I should get better at that. And as the season goes on, it's, you know, th- th- there's situations when there are times to run and time not to. So that's something I'm still getting comfortable with. I think, you know, like I, I think I'm pretty fast, so that's something that – I could definitely improve on. You guys have assaulted left-handed pitching. It's been crazy. I mean, when you got a lefty on the hill, and you were right at the, I think, the third in the NL with 20 hits against lefties, but specific to the team, when, when a southpaw's on the mound and you guys are right-handed, dominant in the lineup, is that something known going into the game that that's where you guys have kind of gotten fat and feasted a little bit? Yeah, I think we have some, you know, we have some good switch hitters that don't strike out a lot. And I think when you consistently put the ball in play and have a lot of right-handed hitters, and um, you know, things things have been going our way when when those guys are on the hill for sure. 
you swing at a lot of first pitches against lefties. And I think you're. I think the. I heard a step from TV last night. Like ten for thirteen on those. Again, is oh, that wow. something where you're you're cognizant of an ambush or like, is it just you know scouting report, guessing a little bit? Walk me through that. Yeah, I just think in the past I've been a little too selective in certain situations, and you know I think if it's a good pitch to hit and it's a guy that I've seen before, or something that I'm comfortable going in and, and um, give myself a chance to hit something hard, even if it's the first pitch. So. Yeah, I think that's something I definitely have changed the mentality a little bit, especially in the leadoff position, because I feel like you see a lot of guys, you know, take. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that have success. Like, I know Ronald Acuna, you know, he swings at it a lot, whether it's fastball or in the dirt or wherever, yeah. he swings at it. So um, I just, you know, thought it would be good to be aggressive, and, and, and especially off guys I've seen before. Lane Thomas just uh, walked up from the clubhouse to join us out here at the Red Box in the left field concourse out by Swizzler and CU Tater. Do you – I mean, there's no chance you've spent much time in this part of the ballpark. Uh, I don't even know as a player. You probably don't, I don't know when the last time you went to a baseball game as a fan was. What's it like when you actually get out here from this perspective and kind of see what the fans see? Yeah, I've done a few signings and stuff. But, yeah, you're right. We don't really spend much time. It's it's even weird seeing, like, looking at the field from this angle. You know, I'm like, damn, I play right over there, you know. So, yeah, that's definitely a perspective we don't get a whole lot. But it's cool, you know, just – Kind of throws you back when you're a kid watching your favorite players out there, so it's pretty cool. What ballparks, major league-wise, did you grow up going to? What team were you rooting for? Who were your my uh, my mom's side of the family is from Denver, and you know I was always a big Todd Helton fan just from Knoxville because he you know he played at Tennessee. So I went, went to a lot of Rockies games. I actually went to one of the last Red Sox Yankee series in the old stadium, so that was pretty oh, wow. cool. Oh wild! Yeah, so I was kind of a bandwagon like Jeter, you know, A Rod fan when they were there. Um, so yeah, I went to Yankee Stadium, Red Sox. The Braves are close. Went to a few Braves games, so. Yeah, mainly those three. So, Grant, I think we might owe Lane Thomas an apology. I was going to go here. Uh-oh. So, no, no, it's not an uh-oh. This is, it's going to come out really good for I you. I swear <laughs> we don't do this in every interview, by the way. I know. It, it seems like we do. I, we I was going to bring it up if you weren't. Yeah, so I, I, it, it happened. We talk about the handsomest athletes in D.C. all the time. Oh, no. Guys <laughs> like Tom Wilson, okay? I, I was uh, literally thinking about his brown eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, what? Sha-la, I, I kind of wasn't ready. I... Slept on you, bro. Yeah, so it's we, we usually so go we Tom Wilson, Garrett Corey Kisper, one on your team. and okay. Stone Garrett. Yeah. We need to start putting Lane Thomas in the conversation. Yeah, so it, but here's what's awkward. <laughs> yeah. We had Jake Irvin on a couple weeks ago. Okay. And we told him he was in our top five. There you go. He's a good-looking guy. He's got the lettuce, whatever. I, li- I like Jake Irvin fine. Yeah. He's not sitting here right now making eye contact with me. No. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's the deep brown eyes. It's what it is. And it's the 5 there o'clock shadow thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish I could keep the 5 o'clock shot. I feel like I have a hard time keeping it the length I like. You know, it's either too short a, like or it's too long. Is that like a one guard, or what are you doing there? I just use a little $10 Gillette. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Just, just, you know, You guys, do you have rules same. on facial hair and stuff on the team? You know, I've never been told, so I don't think so. So you must mm. not. Yeah. I feel like like no Yankee knows that they don't have a rule. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Right, they, they don't know. have to get told, but they know. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. for sure. Yeah. Uh, very good. So he's where are we putting him? <laughs> we he's, need that. He's not ahead of Wilson or Kisper. And that's not his fault. No. I mean, and, <laughs> and it was also here, like so. Right. We're talking about yeah. him like that, but I'll say behind Stone and ahead of uh, Irvin. I will too. Okay, there I will we too. Go. Nice. So you're fourth. You're the almost on the podium. The four hole. There we this go. Hey, last time we talked to you, it's been a little while. This will date it. Uh, you were about to get married, I believe. Yeah. And the two thing you wanted two specific things at your wedding. You were in the negotiational phase at that point. Oh yeah. You wanted a cigar bar, and you wanted no one to sit down for dinner. I think it was. Yeah. Is that the two that's things? That's it. Did you properly get those worked into the deal? Absolutely. It was incredible. Oh, nice. boy. Look at you. Oh, we had a great wedding. It was awesome. Weather was good. I'm a sweater. So I was like, we were in Florida, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, you know, it could be 80 or it could be 50. 
got a little overcast. You know, I was nervous, thinking I was gonna just going to be, like, shaking up there, and it was awesome. Turned out perfect. Good for you. Did you guys have DJ or band? Band. I think band. a little bit of both. Like, the band played, take a break. A little and then break, DJ, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was really good. Uh, favorite ballpark to play in on the road? Favorite ballpark on the road? Um, I love going to Wrigley. I think it's cool just just how close everything feels. You know, older ballpark. Um, I like Denver too. Just I guess that's a little, you know just grew up watching them. Um, haven't been to Yankee Stadium or, or, or Fenway yet, so I feel like I got to go see those before I really make a choice. The new schedule, I guess you'll check those off sooner than yeah. You'll see it, yeah. I think we go to New York this year, and then maybe in the in the uh, maybe not Fenway though. I think they come here. But road fans who chirp you the most give you the toughest time Ooh. in right field. When I played left last year, San Francisco really me a new one. And when I was with the Cardinals, I had I wore 35 and Tom obviously Thomas. So I played left field. I was hitting like a buck 50, and they're like, you know, you're gonna come in here hitting 150 wearing that number with that last name because of Frank Thomas. So oh. I just got ripped that whole series. <laughs> like no, I had like no home run. You know, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't even hit a homer with that number it's on. Like a you very know? specific yeah. chirp. Yeah. You guys hear everything or not really? Um, not really. I just feel like I don't hear it unless the same guy is just consistent. Yeah. You know, that's the one. You know. Do you respect that guy or hate him? Like, I would hate him. A little bit of both. It's okay. like, you know, I can't really tell him to shut up, but shut up in right. my head. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, hopefully he just dwindles down. You could tell him, I think. Yeah, I could. I, just, I mean, LeBron James gets him kicked out. Like, he goes and finds someone and brings which, him over. Which, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I'm like, yeah. I don't you know, like unless, he's, unless he's saying something like, terrible where he needs to go or he's like the kids are crying then i'm okay with it yeah but like a dude chirping you i think that's like part of it right yeah for sure because philly's rough yeah you know you're in the show dude you know what i mean yeah favorite uh look attire wise jersey combo you guys wear jersey um i love the navy on the road i don't know if we ever wear it we wear it sometimes at home navy's my favorite and then i i've never worn this jersey but did we used to have one with like some stars and stripes and like a different yeah, w like a and white of july look i, I love yeah, yeah. i love that look I'm, I'm super patriotic so anything red white and blue all that stuff's cool to me well you have to play a baseball game now yeah like I do. Uh, you have to go like back down to like the baseball area oh, instead yeah. of up here with us yes yeah. yep exactly or you, you could just stay up here and Tweet like an expert. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Pretend you know what you're talking that about. That was an exactly. unacceptable take, Lane. Uh, thank you very much for stopping by. No problem. Really thank you. Thank you for having me. See you later. Lane Thomas, as heard on Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan. Bust and lose baseball here with Toby Altizer. It's Tobe, real quick. Three-game series ahead with the L.A. Dodgers for the Nationals. This is going to be a tough one. You look on paper and you see it's it's Jake Irvin, Patrick Corbin, Trevor Williams in the rotation against one of the best teams in baseball and the best team in the National League, not named the Atlanta Braves. What do you think? It's going to be a tough series, but it's a good test. I mean, like we've mentioned throughout this podcast, this baseball team has been a lot more competitive than we expected. Now you get a real true test. If anyone wants to mention the Royal series and say, well, they look good against a terrible Royals team. Well, you get the stark opposite right here, and you don't necessarily have your A-plus arms on the mound to start these things. So let's see how they do against the Dodgers. It's going to be a tough test, but let's be honest, too. This isn't the Dodgers of old that have just stars up and down the roster. This is a good baseball team. It's maybe not as star-studded as you're used to seeing with the Dodgers, but don't get mistaken. They still got Mookie Betts. They still got Freddie Freeman. I think it's going to be a good test for the boys. I think that's well said. I'm looking at some of their numbers against Trevor Williams. Jason Hayward and uh, David Peralta have home runs against him in their career. But, yeah, it's, it's just not the same level of star power. Not to say they're not really, really good, by the way, because they are. And 
they do a better job than anybody at graduating prospects. Nats are seeing Bobby Miller on this, the day that we're taping on Memorial Day, Monday night. Uh, the 24-year-old who touches 100 miles an hour who gave up just one run in his first five innings. So hopefully they jump on the young arm, and hopefully they get this series started the right way. A couple of notes on the minor leagues really quickly. James Wood promoted to double A, big deal. Uh, the earlier promotion than a lot of us were expecting, the Nats normally about a month or two from now promote their prospects. In fact, the morning they promoted James Wood, I texted uh, someone in their front office and asked, who else is getting bumped up today? And they responded, just James Wood, which I found really, really interesting. Uh, so this was about him. He was killing the ball in Wilmington in a pitcher-friendly park. They wanted to get him out of that environment into double-A and immediately first at bat in double-A, sent a ball right back up the box like you're taught to do into center field, went one for four in his debut for Harrisburg. He's actually going to be in Bowie in the area, so to speak, uh, playing the Bay Sox Tuesday through Sunday this week. I believe I'm going to be out in Bowie with Danny for my uh, DC show, Grant and Danny on the fan on Thursday. We'll probably have James Wood on the show, so we'll have to grab him for the pod as well and get him on the podcast. But uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to see him for several days here in Bowie, Maryland against a really good double-A uh, affiliate for the Orioles with great prospects uh, in the Eastern League. But that's really exciting. You know, the Nats, they don't generally, when you get to double-A, they're not that shy about bumping up your pace and, and eventually getting you to the big leagues. I don't think it's a, I'll say this. I don't think it's a 0% chance that we see James Wood get a cup of coffee at the end of the season this year. I would still say it's unlikely because they're not competing and they don't like need to, again, win games. And so getting your best talent to the big leagues isn't the most important thing. Uh, but if he really hits the ball well and thrives in double A, it is possible that, you know, he's bumped up his timeline now that he could be 20 and, and knock it on the door of the major leagues next spring training. Yeah, I think that that's exciting for James Wood to get him all the way up to double A already with the possibility, like you said, of touching the bigs. Not like it's very likely, but the possibility is there that they could just call him up at the, you know, in September with that time frame. That would be awesome. But I think the realistic time frame is next year, come spring training, he'll have a legitimate shot to maybe try and win a roster spot and be a starting outfielder for this baseball team next year. One other note, good to see Brady House, who had struggled pretty immensely after a great start. OPS had dropped considerably, had a two-homer game this week at Fredericksburg. Hopefully that gets him going, and if he can get on a tear, maybe he can be in Wilmington at the A-plus level very, very soon. Big thanks to everybody who listened, and we'd be remiss if we didn't say, as we taped this on Monday on a Memorial Day holiday, so we got you a fresh podcast from home. Uh, thanks to all of our military members around the country and those who paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, for us to be able to care about things like sitting here talking about baseball and eating hot dogs on Memorial Day. Toby, enjoy the holiday today. I know you're going into the studio a little bit later. And uh, watch some Nats baseball tonight, buddy. It's been yes, fun. Yes, sir. Go Nats. Thanks for listening, guys. Busting Loose Baseball, episode 54 in the books. <laughs>